the free for all roundtable round two on round two let's say good morning to tamara cherry with pickup communications also the author of the trauma beat a case for rethinking the business of bad news bob reed is here principal at broadwaystrategy.com the guy behind touchdowns and fumbles heard fridays and dipika damarla is a mississauga city councillor good morning to you all let's start with these tensions that are leading some fairly alarming incidents these documented in toronto i don't know dipika perhaps i'll start with you if there have been in incidents like this in Mississauga as well. But the idea of somebody pounding on the door of a Jewish home and shouting at people and people stealing mezuzahs, I mean, there is a very threatening vibe to that. Absolutely. I mean, I'm appalled. I really am. And, you know, I, I was thinking, John, that, you know, this conflicts, and I'm not trying to you know, compare conflicts, but there's conflicts around the world. But we don't, for the most part in Canada, we don't see this kind of behavior being played out amongst groups in Canada, reflecting conflicts out there where one minority group is being sort of intimidated. And But this is happening, and that just shows the latent anti-Semitism that's always, I feel, bubbling under the surface. And it's really, really alarming. And it's, it's, it's just unacceptable. It's just so unacceptable. Yeah, Bob Reed. I just I I can't imagine if you know. I I have to think that some people are going to take their mezuzah down so nobody spots it on the uh, on the door sill and starts pounding on their door. And and how horrible is that, right? If you're forced to to hide your true identity, to to remove signs of your faith that are important to you because you fear you might get marked as a result. I share everything that the counselor just said. It's it's appalling and really, really saddening to me because uh, I, I have actually talked about Toronto and Canada to friends and, and people elsewhere in the world over the course of my life in in exactly the context of as the counselor was saying there are so many conflicts all over the world and Toronto represents cultures and people from all over the world but we were we up until this point we had been very very blessed that people left their conflicts at the door like when they came to canada they did not bring those tensions with them sure we'd see we'd see solidarity protests and things like that but you didn't see one community targeting another or harassing another or trying to terrify another as we're seeing in this case so it's it's very very saddening tamara your thoughts Uh, i echo what everybody has said and I, i would just add that uh there are people removing mezuzahs from their doorways. I know people who have done this and it is, it's absolutely heartbreaking that that is what it has come to. I was speaking uh, yesterday with a Toronto police inspector who has been, uh, he's part of the community partnerships and engagement, you know, community inclusion. I'm getting it wrong and I apologize to that officer, but he, uh, he was saying that you know, he's been getting calls from community leaders and community members um, from uh, the Jewish community, from the Muslim community, Palestinian community here. And he has never been more busy in his entire career. And I'm like, just think about the different roles that a senior police officer goes through throughout their career. He's never been more busy. People are scared. They, uh, you know, police are assuring people that they are safe. 
Um, but it's one thing to be safe. It's another thing to feel safe. And a lot of people don't feel safe right now. And that's not okay. Olivia Chow has unveiled a housing plan and uh, it's enormous. Uh, she's going to be on the Russian side, incidentally, this afternoon at 5.20. But we're talking 65,000 units or, or houses or condo units. Uh, we're talking about $36 billion, which would come from other levels of government, and perhaps most gobsmacking, a seven-year timeline. Deepika, you're in a municipal administration. Is this doable? Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, John, I fall in the camp of if the private sector is doing something well, government should stay the hell out of it. I really do. But the paradox that we face is that, you know, we have this acute shortage of housing, but at the same time, the private sector isn't really rushing to build them. And for good reason, the numbers don't work for them with the interest rates and cost of construction. So because of that, because, you know, no one's really filling that gap I think in times like that, governments have a duty to do something. Now, is that something going and building it directly yourself is up for question, and I'm not 100% sure, but I was doing some research earlier today, and, and I realized, and I think some of, many of us know this, but just remember that the wartime, wartime Housing Limited was created after World War II, and they built 26,000 rentals, which would have been a huge number back in the day. So there is, the, I guess, precedent for governments doing this, and presumably they did it reasonably well. So I'm cautiously optimistic. I think it's not an easy thing to do. If the private sector can't do it, uh, can the public sector do it? I was almost thinking they should have two streams. You know, if you have X dollars and you sort of almost create a small competition. I mean, if there's public dollars at play and say, okay, you know, the city of Toronto will build so many and is there anybody in the private sector and we'll fund you and will you build some? And I think it just keeps both honest and uh, they work off each other. So, but we have to do something. So this is, uh, at least exploring this is exciting. It's an interesting uh, proposal because making Tamara. Uh, but I think one of the big problems here is that when it comes to the people who are building things, this is not a market they're interested in. Affordable housing just is, doesn't do it for them. So they stay out. So maybe the government has to step in. Yeah, I mean, the government has to do something. And I applaud uh, Mayor Chow for this, at least, uh, you know, unveiling an ambitious plan. And and it is equivalent. I think that I heard you talking earlier in the show, John, or maybe it was one of your panelists on round one saying that, you know, it's like uh, a wartime move. But this is a crisis situation in Toronto, just as it is in other big municipalities across Canada. What people need to realize is that when people do not have access to housing, to safe housing, that there are, there are not only barriers there for a safe place to live and to stay for the night, but there are barriers to so many vital institutions. I've spoken on this show before about the wonderful work that my sister does here in Regina, Saskatchewan, running her pharmacy in one of the, you know, the most vulnerable communities in the city. And one of the first questions she usually asks her clients when they come to her uh, is, are you safe? Do you have a safe place to stay? Because she knows that if people are not safe and they don't have a safe place to stay, then it's going to create all sorts of other problems and it's actually going to put up barriers to them getting the, the services that they need elsewhere. So she is a pharmacist and her pharmacy staff are often helping people find housing. And that shouldn't be the way it is. You know, Mayor Chow was talking yesterday about emergency department staff doing the same thing. 
uh, we have to get going on something and it is going to cost a lot of money. And that's just that's just a, a big pill we're all going to have to swallow. And Bob Reed, it's a seven year project. So I guess we're going to have to wait a while before saying touchdown or fumble. Indeed. Uh, and it's a seven year project that is wholly dependent on uh, on big time funding from other levels of government. So I say good on Olivia Chow for initiating a conversation how realistic uh, it will be to get those senior levels to fund this at such high levels over a long period is is going to be well that's the answer we're all waiting for because <laughs> media asked the feds in the province yesterday about it and there wasn't uh, there wasn't an immediate response so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this plays out but uh, again i'm i'm going to echo my uh, my colleagues here uh, i don't like to see the public sector getting into things that the private sector should be taking care of. But there is no argument that for legitimate reasons, as Deepika said, in terms of the numbers just not working, given all the financial factors at play, um, the private sector is not taking care of the need here. Uh, things are out of whack, and that is the time when governments must and, and should act. So uh, I'm going to follow this closely, you can be sure. Tamara Cherry, a lot of your work has involved victims and trauma. I wonder what you make of this story about how people are now creating essentially child pornography, but with AI. So there are no real children involved. What do you think? Oh, there are real children involved, though, John. And that's the problem. Um, there is software that exists that can take an image of somebody and create an image of them naked. So there are actually child sexual abuse images that are appearing of real children. There's been instances of uh, celebrity children uh, and also children who have been the subject of other child sexual abuse images where they've actually been abused, where um, sex predators are using this software to create more images of them nude and them in um, in positions that are, you know, abusive. So there are absolutely real victims here. And when we're talking about um, AI, gener completely AI generated images where it's not a real person, that further victimizes real victims because it is going to be, um, it is, you know, uh, tying up the hands of investigators who are actually trying to, you know, shoot fish in a barrel and, and take down actual child sexual abuse images and rescue actual children. And instead they're, you know, chasing down these rabbit holes where nothing actually exists. So this is a huge problem. And I think that a very strong message needs to be sent to the tech community, uh, to all of the guys who are, you know, in their basements creating software that they're not thinking about will be used for these purposes, but they can. They need to realize the power that they have with with this software. We need better regulations. And yeah, this is it's it's absolutely a horrific issue. Although Bob Reed, I think the genie's out of the bottle. I think, and I always reflect on the fact: if it's this awful now, how's it going to be in ten years? Yeah, that's the that's that's the especially troubling aspect to it. But what a what a sad point in human evolution that you know we we create a technology like this that has so many tremendous positive uh, applications and and AI really is going to change the world in a lot of ways for the better with with respect to advances in in, in medicine and 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 health technology and so many things like that. And yet here we go. Somebody takes that same thing and uses it for such an evil, evil purpose. Dipika, your thoughts? 
I, I echo what uh, my co-panelists have said. And, you know, the, the one thing that I also worry about is the idea that because these are fake images, that it's okay, you know, and it's never okay to think of children sexually. And I think that's really, really important that somehow people don't think that you can get a pass. And I was just reading, you know, one thing that really bothers me is that I was, and I never thought about it, but I was reading is, that the deep fake images could actually bog down investigators who are trying to rescue children and then they turn out to be fake. And then perhaps they get bogged down so much that they can't rescue real children who might be in trouble because now they don't know what's fake and what's not fake. So, oh boy, this is just a cesspool. Thank you all. Kind of a grim note to end on, but there mm-hmm. we are. We're at a racetrack. Bob Reed, Tamara Cherry, and Deepika Demerla. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.